Well, hello everybody and welcome back to Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Richard, KB5JBV, and over there in the dark corner is Russ. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Hello everybody, this is Russ, K5TUX, along with Richard, KB5JBV, and welcome in to episode number 10, our first double-digit episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. And since Russ has turned German on us, welcome to everybody. And uh, we're going to ease through some stuff tonight. We got a lot of email and feedback to work through this evening. And we're going to switch things up a little bit. We've been doing hardware and Linux and hardware and fresh fish and Linux. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about some of those digital modes that we pointed out to y'all when we were talking about FL Digi. For those of you who uh, haven't heard, when we uh, record these episodes, we're doing them live now. And we're working on the video, which is not perfected, but it's close. Y'all are welcome to come on by and see us. Just watch the website for uh, times and dates, and then go on over to Ustream TV and look for Linux in the Ham Shack. So, uh, what we got first here? First up on the feedback, here's one we received from Jim which apparently came through the forums over at Black Sparrow Media. And it says, uh, Sorry, couldn't resist mentioning the music after you guys mentioned that most of the show comments were about the music instead of the content. Well, uh, thank you, Jim. And I'm glad you said something about the music because I'm impressed. Russ is impressed. You're impressed. Everyone's impressed. In fact, we may at some point just cut out all the Linux content and ham radio content, and just play music. So stay tuned for that. I always like to hear good feedback about the music. I try to be a little choosy about what I pick, and I pick things that I like, and hopefully everybody will like. And unfortunately, I've completely forgotten the artist and the song that was in that episode. And I still have to go through and put up in the show notes who it was and all the other stuff I've forgotten from episode number nine. So when I get around to that, I'll send an email out to uh, Jim and let him know who it was and make sure I post to the show notes the artist and uh, the song. And once again, all the stuff we play on here is Creative Commons, so long live Creative Commons. I guess that's all i got to say about that. Well, there you go. And uh, also, he sent one in through the comments over at the uh, website. Uh, what we're referring to, y'all, is uh, the second track in the last episode, about 27 minutes in. He says it's awesome. And, Jim, you, you just stay uh, stay tuned. We'll get the information up over there at the website. Uh, you ought to be able to go to over and download it or pretend you're a podcast and get it for free or something. Uh, we, we only say things like that for educational purposes. We don't expect anybody to do so. So, moving on to the next one, I got an email from KI6BGE. Okay, I finally got the wife off of Windows and into a new iMac Mini. Now, that doesn't sound like Linux to me, but I'm sure that Tim has got a point. Her old IBM ThinkPad works fine, so I decided to format the drive, and I have a brand new Kubuntu distro. I'm going to load on it and use it exclusively in my 2003 Silverado for controlling my TS-200 and utilizing Olivia FSK, FSK31. I bet he meant PSK, etc. I plan on documenting the project and will take photos. Idle hands are the amateur's opportunity. And Tim, Tim, Tim's been a long time listener over at the other show, and I'm glad to hear that uh, he's following along over here and uh, getting some ideas. 
If he doesn't send me those photographs or the information on his install, I will uh, go over to his blog site and take a look. It's called The First Rule of Holes. It's uh, more of a personal blog than a radio blog, but that's okay. Uh, When we find out what's going on with it, we'll let y'all know so y'all can check that out. So next up, we got um, one from VE2GZI. Episode feedback for episode eight. I'm an old New Ham. I got licensed and the and pretty much dropped it. Being older and wiser, I am back. Not sure how I stumbled on LHS, but I am certainly glad I did. I am a district sales manager for an electronics company, and I spend a lot of time on the road. So I downloaded all the episodes and are slowly going through them. I am now looking for more reasons to spend time in the car. Just started to listen to episode 5 at the time he wrote this. Love it. You have given me back two great passions in my life. Radios and computers. Only problem is I think that it's going to cost me a few bucks to get on HF. Gents, keep up the good work. I am in with you for the long run. 73 from snowy and very wintry Montreal, Canada. V2GZI, Bruce Givens. Well, thank you, Bruce. I'm glad we can get you re-inspired. You know, I took a little hiatus from radio myself, and uh, when I got back on the air, I was extremely happy to do so because I had forgotten how much I actually missed it. One of the reasons we're bringing Linux to the folks that uh, listen to the show is because we know how well it can uh, increase the pleasure you derive from your amateur radio. What do you think, Russ? I definitely think that's true, and I also would like to say that even though he doesn't know how he stumbled upon the podcast, so I would hope he will let other people know about the podcast so that we can get as much exposure and introduce as many amateur radio fans to Linux as humanly possible, or as inhumanly possible if we're talking about Richard. That's it. Because we all know that I am like motion blur man. Alrighty, next one that we have is a, uh, this would be a comment to, uh, that they put over on the live page. Uh, it has to do with the networking that I mentioned something about in the last show or the previous show. It reads, this may not be relevant, but I figured I'd post this anyway. If you're using Ubuntu 810, you may be in for some issues with the network manager. For some unknown reason, it stops functioning. You will need to manually set your Resolve Conf with your ISP's DNS servers. That file is located in Etsy Network uh, Resolve Conf. Okay, for those of y'all who are fairly new to Linux, let me translate. There's a file that has to do with your networking called Resolve.com. C-O-N-F, comp. The only thing I know that it's used for, and I'm sure there's other things, I'm sure it's probably like the uh, hosts file over on a Windows machine. You do, um, it has to have those uh, DNS addresses in there. Normally your uh, network configuration program will do that for you, but apparently Ubuntu 8.10 is not doing that. I will check into that because I've been having problems with uh, something very similar to that. And uh, we'll get back to y'all on that. Uh, Russ, anything on the Resolve Comp issue? 
Well, I don't use Ubuntu, so I haven't seen any problems with uh, Resolve.conf, and it's pretty much just used for DNS resolution. There's a couple of parameters you can put in there, but other than your name servers um, and your domain, uh, there's not much else to it. Not sure I have much else to add. We will get around to figuring out if they haven't posted a bug about it at Ubuntu already about the locking up, uh, and we'll let you know what we find out. And uh, I found, I went over and checked in my Ubuntu 804 installation and things were correct. Uh, I haven't had an opportunity to look at the machine that has 810 on it, but I, like I said, I will check into this and get back. I'm going to let Russ read this one. Oh, no, don't, no, before we get to that one, I've got another one. Okay, Russ has another one, but after we finish that, I'm going to let Russ read this one. So go ahead, Russ. <laughs> Okay, um, I don't. We, you didn't do this one, I don't think. I got another comment from John K seven K seven J M. Did this? Oh, this one came to me. That's why you don't have it. It's an email to me from John K seven J M. Then it can't says, possibly be hate mail. Well, it no, it's not. <laughs> it says thanks for another great show. It was very informative, and I especially like the parts where you start to get geeky. Both you and Richard have mentioned that you probably boring people with that stuff. He says, not at all. It's all good. Well, I'm not so sure about that, but I guess we'll take your word for it. He says, also, thanks for mentioning my blog on your podcast and putting it in your blog role. Um, his blog is at radio.mcdougalshome.net. Uh, however, the blog role entry is an error, and I mentioned it correctly on the podcast, but somehow messed it up putting it on the website. Now, I've already fixed that, fixed it as soon as I got this email. So thanks, John, for telling us... Uh, that you appreciate the podcast, we appreciate doing the podcast, and we're glad you're getting something out of it. I've already fixed the link to your podcast, so hopefully we'll drive some more interest your way. If you have a blog that is primarily amateur radio, you know, a little bit of your own personal day-to-day stuff's cool, but if you got one that's primarily amateur radio, send us the link, because we like them. Uh, we can go look at them, see, see what people are thinking, we get good ideas off of them and you know we may even plagiarize some of your stuff did i say that yeah but it's true everybody does it well you know it's a sincerest form of flattery that's what i've heard there you go okay now we're going to tackle this booger bear this came to both richard and i and it's from mark his call sign is k5 lxp lima x-ray papa it's a long one I think printed out it's about three pages. I didn't bother to print it out. I'm going to try and read through, skipping the irrelevant stuff, and then we're going to let Richard tackle the rebuttal, uh, answer, reply, tirade, whatever this turns into. So so it starts out uh, simple enough. Hi, Richard and Russ. I recently discovered your Linux in the Hamshack podcast, downloaded them all, and got caught up to date. I'll start out by saying I don't like Linux. To me, running Windows is like setting your head on fire, and Linux is the hammer you use to put it out. We'll have to agree to disagree about that, but Richard will say more on that later. He says he's dabbled in Linux since Red Hat 6, calling it painful, and says things have improved over time, but not markedly in his view. So he currently runs Mandriva, which is a flavor of Linux we haven't really talked about. I'll let you decide if you want to actually say anything about Mandriva, but I'm going to let it go. 
He said it's the first version of Linux he's ever tried that recognized all of his hardware and even correctly configured his wireless network card. The CAD program he uses comes as an RPM, so it works with Mandriva, and he uses it to listen to MP3s, burn CDs, and lots of other useful things that we all do with Linux, Windows, or whatever we're using. He says, my attraction to Linux isn't so much its attributes as it is my aversion to anything Microsoft. So I tend to keep pushing my envelope towards Linux in the hope that someday it'll get there, and every day it seems progress is being made towards that end. Goes on about how much he liked OS 2. Above all else, you keep holding on to that dream because it's not coming back. Let's see. Perhaps you could do a podcast on not only the process steps for downloading and compiling source code, but also cover what to do when the process bombs or otherwise doesn't work right. We can certainly get to that. I think we're going to do a couple of episodes that focus more on amateur radio than Linux coming up, but when we get back around to Linux, uh, we can definitely hit things like compiling software. Additionally, do you know of anyone that distributes repositories on DVD? Um, I believe Cheap Byte probably does that. If I'm wrong, we'll hear about it, I'm sure. And uh, Google for uh, repositories on DVD will find you something. And, of course, all of the distributions have a set of the repositories in them if you download the full version. Sometimes you have to get them by BitTorrent. Debian does uh, its downloads by Jigdo. But when you download the entire version, they will come on either many CDs or sometimes even many DVDs, and the entire repository set is included. So, yes, you can get them that way. Why isn't there a Linux equivalent of Norton Commander? In the chat room, KD5VQD says that you can install an application called MC, which is apparently a Linux version of Midnight Commander. So, yes, to answer the question, there is Midnight Commander. There, are, uh, it's, it's really not necessary to use something like that to figure out the commands you need, and we'll probably talk about that later. Mark, I understand that you've had issues with uh, Linux. I understand that uh, you miss OS 2. I miss OS 2. That was a good operating system. However, it ain't coming back. They're out of the OS 2 business. Your choices are Windows, Linux, uh, OS 10, or Unix or some of the other smaller variations. Uh, one of the problems you're running into, and I don't think we got to it yet, one of the problems you're running into is that you're in one of the using one of the top-heavy distributions, one of the ones that have got a lot of overhead going on. I used Mandriva when I first started out, and yes, it does not, it wants the fastest machine it can get its hands on, because it is definitely top-heavy. Uh, you probably need to take the time to check out some of the uh, some of the uh, versions of Linux that are in the uh, top five or top ten downloaded over at DistroWatch. That would also give you the answer to uh, being able to find CDs pre-burned with uh, uh, some of the uh, repositories you're needing, because uh, over there they have uh, ads for places that do that kind of stuff, and you will be able to get your hands on them. As far as uh, sticking with Red Hat and Mandriva, if those are the only two you've tried, you're way behind the game, my friend, because uh, there's a whole lot more going on, a whole lot better and faster. And like I said earlier, I just acquired a 192 uh, laptop, runs 600 megahertz, 192 megs of RAM, and 7 gigs on the hard drive. I plan to put Linux on it, and I'm going to keep everybody informed on how that comes out. Okay, did I miss anything important or relevant, Russ? 
Oh, the CAD uh-huh. program. Let me yeah, talk CAD. about the CAD program. All right. Uh, because the CAD program comes in RPM, uh, in an RBM, RPM package, there are some distributions that, even though they're not Red Hat or Mandriva, can use those packages. Uh, they have package managers that will install programs that are wrapped in an RPM. So uh, a little bit of research. A little bit of research will help you out there. As for that, go ahead and finish up for us. Well, this is probably a good time to mention Alien, too, which is an application that will convert RPMs to DEBs and DEBs to RPMs. Uh, comes on most distributions. You can find it in the repositories. And by default, it works pretty well. Sometimes you have to play around with it, tweak it a little bit, because it doesn't handle pre- and post-installation scripts real well. But if you're running Ubuntu or Red Hat or something like that and you need to install something that comes in the other package management format, you might want to look at Alien. So where were we here? Well, one more thing before you proceed. I almost forgot. Uh, Compiling from source. He mentions in here also. And we will be getting to compiling from source uh, a little further along, but it's like Russ said, we're going to do a few shows on amateur radio so that it's not Linux in the Linux shack. Go ahead, Russ. Okay, <laughs> back to uh, K5LXB's email. Um, we're getting down towards the bottom here. Uh, he also says, why does Linux tout itself as being able to run on old hardware when, in fact, it's barely usable on current hardware? Well, I'd have to disagree with that. I've run it on everything from a 386 on up to the fastest multi-core Xeon uh, or AMD processor out there. And it will even run on embedded systems. It'll run on MIPS machines. It'll run on strong arm stuff. It'll run on... It runs on everything. Sometimes there are conundrums with hardware detection and things like that. You may find that, you know, when you boot your Nopix Live CD, it finds a lot of stuff that your Red Hat doesn't at all. He goes on... My impression is there's a lot of bloat in the contemporary distributions, and it's a bit misleading to say that you can load the latest Linux whiz-bang on some old Dell PC kicked into the closet by your kids. Sure, it may run, but it sucks to click and wait all the time. Well, it just depends on how lightweight you want to make your distribution, because you can make it as basic or as bloated as you want. Some distributions like bloat to begin with. That would be Ubuntu which takes the uh, Debian Unstable distribution and throws a ton of stuff on top of it. Or there's Debian, which just takes the bare minimum, and you put in what you want, and you get back what you put into it. He wants to know if we can do a future podcast topic on how you can trim out the fat in a typical installation so that running on an old PC is a bit more practical. And actually, I think that's a great idea. That's a topic I would love to tackle because I like lean, fast distributions. So I'd like to tackle that one at some point in the future. We do need to go in there and trim stuff. Every time I uh, put a distribution on, I have to go in and trim a bunch of stuff. You know, I don't have Bluetooth on anything. Why would I want it on my Linux? Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So in closing, I still don't like Linux, but with shows like yours paving the way to tearing down the obstacles to run it successfully, you just might get me to install Ubuntu on the Shack PC and give it a whirl. Shackbox also looks interesting and is something to watch. Shackbox is uh, F0FAK's distribution that we reviewed in the last episode. He says, thanks for time and effort to put into this podcast, and I look forward to upcoming shows. 
And that's uh, a lot from Mark, K5LXP. And we'll let Richard go ahead and uh, respond to what he already hasn't responded to. Oh, Rusty just left a lot of stuff out because he's afraid I'd start a war. Let me start with this. We did uh, accidentally skip over this. Uh, you mentioned Harv's Hamshack hack and the uh, more current shack box by F0FAK. Uh, I have another ham radio distribution for you compiled by a friend, Anna Lennox Elmer, W9YA. It is called Shack Stick. I went over and looked at Shack Stick, and I think Russ did too. Uh, shack stick is uh, designed to run on a on a USB stick, and I haven't I haven't had a chance to uh, download it and get it on one yet, mainly because I don't have anything that's two gigs in the way of memory sticks at this point. But I will get one, run it through, and we'll check that out. Another thing you mentioned a little further down was uh, having to do with uh, USB ports and serial ports, and suggesting everybody go get a serial card and stick it in their computer. I've been running stuff that took serial ports for years. I have played the serial port card game, and I guarantee you if I can get it to run on a USB adapter, I am darn sure going to do it because it ain't near as much of a pain. And last but not least, it's easier to take constructive criticism if you don't have people taking jabs at you. However, he does have one criticism. Richard Audio doesn't sound as nice as Russ's. That's probably because Russ has millions of dollars invested in his stuff and everything over here runs on a shoestring. <laughs> uh, not, sure, not sure if it's the mic, the levels, the compression, the sample rate, the equalization, the room acoustics, or what. Of course, it would help if Richard didn't speak Texan. I don't speak New York, New Jersey like everybody does in New Mexico. So... Uh, I'm not sure there's uh, any post-processing you can do that'll clean it up. Here, here's here's the point at which I got a little steam the other night, and let me let me put it to y'all as simply as possible. Uh, on that particular situation, as far as the sound quality, the editing, we will do the best we can to clean it up. Uh, you have two options if you don't like the fact that Richard speaks Texan. Uh, number one is don't listen. Number two is don't listen. And once we get to the point that we've done the best we can, if it's still not good enough, you always have the option of going out, finding a hosting service, paying them to host your site, purchasing recording equipment, uh, taking the time to keep your web pages updated, mix down all your files, uh, all this stuff. You are absolutely welcome to do so. And in fact, we welcome that because... I'm one of the biggest fans of KD0BIK's Practical Amateur Radio Podcast, and uh, he and I talk quite frequently. I really like his show. So competition makes for better programs. So hop on out there and produce one yourself. Now that I've alienated everybody and people are dropping out of the chat room in droves. I'm doing my best to try and ignore most of what you're doing or saying right now because uh, <laughs> I, I just... You, you saw all the stuff I left out, and, you're, and it's all the stuff you wanted to get at. It, well, if it doesn't make the cut, it doesn't make the cut. So, <laughs> <laughs> all righty, we've done the email. All right, now that no, brings actually, us to nope, nope, no, we haven't. Got Wait one more. Okay. Yeah, I thought I was done, but there's one more, and I do. There's a question in it, so I definitely want to get to it. We must answer the questions. Yes. Okay, now after that long treatise by K5LXW, there's one more to go, and it's from Andrew, W5AGW. And he sent me an email which says, Russ, I would like to thank you and Richard for the time you spend on this podcast. I have been a ham since 1995, 
and I've been using Linux since 1998, but have yet to combine my two hobbies. I'm sure listening to you will help me do that. Well, we certainly hope it does, as that's what we're all about. That's uh, Andy again, W5AGW, and thank you very much for writing in. Well, I said that was the last one, and as I look, there's yet another one. This one is from Adrian, VK2BAC. Uh, and he says, Hi, guys. My name is Adrian, and I live near Gosford, New South Wales, in Australia. I'm currently in the process of moving to the Nottingham area in the U.K. I love the podcast, and I've started downloading it from about episode 3, and unfortunately didn't have time to listen to it in many other podcasts until you guys got to episode 8. That's many hours of listening. I'm up to date now and can't wait to hear more. To further go on here, he says, uh, My question is not really related to the podcast, but is amateur radio related? Well, that's good. That's what we're here about. I'm looking for a podcast or similar that I can put on my iPod to, you guessed it, learn Morse code. Can you guys or some of the listeners help me? Love the podcast, and we'll be setting up a Linux machine for the Shack in the UK. I've played with Linux for many years, but as a user of systems already set up for a design purpose. He says seven threes, and that's Adrian, Victor, Kilo 2, uh, Bravo Alpha Charlie. I'll tell you what, the easiest way to find a podcast on Morse code practice is just to Google for it. I did, and about 10 million of them came up. Uh, the first hit I got was one by WD8LQB, who has one where he practices individual numbers and individual letters in a podcast. And, of course, there are thousands and thousands more, so... A simple Google search, and you'll have more Morse code practice than you ever wanted. Well, you know that's the thing. I bet it really turns Gordon West crank because, uh, and the and the leagues that there are people out there doing podcasts for uh, Morse code study. Because I know I got gouged uh, quite a bit for Morse code tapes when I was learning. But uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, and keep listening. And yes, go out there and uh, and look around. They shouldn't be hard to find. And good luck with your studies. So, now, is that all we got, Russ? That is finally all we have. Okay, finally all we have. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention when we were talking about Mark's email a while ago is we have installed a new feature at Linux in Hamshack. Now we are at episode 10, and we have no shame about uh, saying this. Yeah, y'all go on over. We're, we've uh, set things up, and Russ would probably know more about this because it's going to... Uh, going to the website that he administers, uh, we have set it up where y'all can make a donation to help support Linux in Hamshack. Now, y'all know that, uh, well, you may not know, uh, operation of Linux in Hamshack, everything so far has come out of our pocket so that we could produce a show for y'all that uh, was informative, interesting, and from time to time, actually laughable. Well, maybe not laughable, humorous. No, probably laughable. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, if y'all find that any of these episodes have helped you, uh, go on over to click on the link. I believe there's a link on the website at this point to uh, uh, go ahead and drop a donation in. It doesn't have to be much, and I know in these hard economic times that it may not be uh, uh, super easy to do so. But, you know, 16-ounce uh, soda costs more than a dollar, and if all you can send is a dollar, send that bad boy along because every dollar that goes into the donation bin will go straight back into the production of Linux and Hamshack. In 10 episodes, look how far we've come. We've gone from a straight audio recorded program to recording live and now with video. may not be the greatest video in the world, but it's video, and it will get better over time. So, y'all visit the website, drop a couple dollars in there, 
We did our little spiel about the new distro. Let me answer a question that went by in the uh, chat room a while ago. Uh, one of the folks in the chat room asked about what about CrunchBang uh, Linux, which is another distro which has shown up recently. Uh, it's a, a lightweight, fast Ubuntu uh, variant. And the only reason I didn't mention it a while ago is because I'm going to download it and test it and check it out. And that way I'll be able to bring come to y'all and actually speak fairly informatively and fairly intelligently about it. And for those of y'all who have listened to the show very much, you know that moments of intelligence and lucidity escape me all the time. So, uh, have you got anything else before we go to the break, Russ? No, I will inject, though, that if uh, CrunchBang is all that everyone says it is, I'm probably going to be using it here in the next few days. Well, there you go. All right. So uh, y'all uh, y'all kick back, take you, take you a sip, listen to the music, giggle a little bit, and we'll be back in a minute. To get back in the game, you've been alone for way too long. Starting to sound like a grumpy old grandpa the way you go on and on. You're tired of your work and tired of this weather and tired of being tired all the time. But that ain't right, boy. Just look at yourself. I mean, you're just hitting your prime. So come on now, now. We're gonna give it a try. I know you got it in you. Seen it with my own eyes And there's a lot of fine ladies out there tonight Looking for somebody knows how to treat them right And you could be the one to give them what they're looking for So step on up to the plate, my friend Take a swing, do your thing, get in the game again And keep your mouth shut about your old girlfriend Cause nobody wanna hear it anymore yourself a slump and you had to lay low for a while but then you quit caring and you took up swearing and you never kept your hair in style and now you built up a wall so big and tall and you won't let anybody in we gotta tear it on down now turn it back around get you back on your game again so come on now now we're gonna give it a try i know you got it in you I've seen it with my own eyes And there's a lot of fine ladies out there tonight Looking for somebody knows how to treat them right And you could be the one to give them what they're looking for So step on up to the plate, my friend Take a swing, do your thinking in the game again But keep your mouth shut about your old girlfriend Cause nobody wanna hear it anymore Come just like when I first knew ya And man, it's good to see you back out on the scene Oh, but you don't hear a word I'm saying to ya You got your eyes all locked up on that pretty young thing Get on down now, go on, give her a try Now there's a fine young lady out there 
Okay, and we're back. Uh, okay, like we told y'all, this time we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of those digital modes. You know, uh, you look in the in the menu over on FL Digi or some of the uh, some of the other programs, and you Windows guys don't tune out because y'all can use this on some of the inferior programs y'all use, and um, learn a little bit about this. You know, we're not going to get too in depth because we've got several modes to talk about, but we're gonna we're gonna ease through and try and give y'all some idea what's going on with them. Uh, that way you uh, have the opportunity to, to choose to try and pursue it further. All these modes that we're talking about, it's easy to find information on over on the Internet. A lot of this stuff's been around a long time. You don't have to go to the League or CQ or someplace like that and spend big bucks buying books on all this stuff. Because thank God for Al Gore and his Internet. Because that way uh, we can just go out and find this information. Al Gore, the man that uh, the man that had brought us global warming and the internet, he developed both of them by himself in his kitchen. Alrighty, so the first one we're going to talk about is Ready. Now, most of y'all have heard of Ready and know something about Ready. Uh, Ready is RTTY, roughly radio teletype, is what it's called. Why they abbreviated it RTTY, I have no idea. But Ready is the oldest digital mode that we use today. In fact, Ready predates radio. Ready was the uh, originally developed by a fellow named Bodot Bado. Anyway, he developed a system where uh, instead of having to have trained telegraphers operating the landline telegraphs, they were able to take somebody who had no training in telegraphy that had never used a telegraph key at all and could set them down at a keyboard and have them send messages down the line. In fact, Riddy predates the last century. Any of y'all that have taken the time to listen to Riddy, you know that it has a characteristic sound. The abbreviations pretty much follow those, those of CW. And it's a pretty easy mode to learn to use. One thing about Ready, even though the uh, baud rate is kind of slow, it will challenge you if you are a one-finger typist like myself. Most programs do not have the macros and buffers. Well, there are more of them getting them nowadays that uh, a PSK program might have and that kind of stuff. So that's Ready pretty much in a nutshell. Uh, Y'all can go over and uh, hit the web and check that out find out more about Ready. You know, if you want the... Uh, want the particulars about it, there are plenty of pages out there that will talk about the standard frequency shift, the uh, mark and space tones, the which is better, FSK or, or, or uh, AFSK, you know, all this stuff. It gets pretty involved. These guys are pretty serious about the ready. you have any comments on ready, Russ? Well, you said something about it being uh, real early on, and, yeah, it was originally started back in uh, 1849. So, uh, middle of two centuries ago, and you mentioned Emile Badeau, and uh, actually Badot is actually another um, telecommunications method named for him. The first link that I'm seeing here was set up uh, in 1874 between Philly and New York City, and then there was one later from the West Coast. But yeah, it's uh, Riddy has definitely been around a while. You know, it's an easy way to convert uh, text into, you know, digital signaling, which means you didn't have to understand the digital signaling part of the message in order to send a message. 
which is why it became popular and why it's still in use today. Well, there you go. And, I, you know, you guys may think this being such an old mode that it may be something that people don't really use, but I'll tell you right now, every contest I hear on the air, there is ready eating up the frequencies. And there's a guy out there in California, his call sign eludes me at the, at the moment, but every day, every day between 2 and 3 o'clock uh, Central Time, he's out there wearing out the airwaves trying to make contacts on ready. So, Riddy is still really popular, where things like uh, Amtor and uh, Packet have dropped by the wayside on HF, Riddy is still alive and well. Okay, so our next, uh, the next mode we, we want to talk about a little bit is called Hellschreiber. Now, Hellschreiber is kind of interesting because it's what they call a fuzzy mode. It's not exactly digital, but it's not exactly analog either. And let me give you an idea idea of what's going on. Uh, with Hellschreiber, in most cases, your basic Hellschreiber transmissions, normally a Feld Hell or a one or two of the others, uh, there's a string of tones sent which represent a video character. Probably kind of hard to imagine that. But this a string is sent. When your computer receives it, it translates that string into a picture of a letter. That's probably the best way to describe it, at least at this point. And you can have good, reliable communications with Hellschreiber. Now, it was invented back in the 1920s by a guy named Rudolf Hell, <laughs> of all things. It was designed for use with mechanical machines like the ones used to transmit from the field in World War II. The Germans, more than anybody else, used it at that time. And their mechanical equivalent being like a radio teletype or something like that, they were using these machines to transmit Hellschreiber. Now, the materials I'm using to work off of this evening uh, describe it as it paints a picture of text instead of printing text. And that's kind of the point I was trying to get across a while ago. It, it doesn't turn the characters that it receives directly into text. It creates a picture of the text using those characters. It, when you see it in operation, it's a whole lot easier to wrap, you, wrap your mind around. Uh, it's good for weak signal. For contacts where the signals are weak and there's a lot of fading, and you can't really format the text. Uh, it comes out in a continuous line. So one of the one of the things that's kind of interesting, if you're first using it with a uh, a sound card, is if your sound card, the timing on your sound card is a little bit off. Instead of having a straight line of text, or well, two or three lines of text because it prints two or three uh, straight across the screen, it'll go at an angle. And you'll have to kind of read it that way. Uh, it's really interesting mode to use. I've used it more than once myself. There's a lot of experimentation still going on with different variations of Hellschreiber. Even though it's an older mode, there's a lot of folks out there running different variants. Feld Hell, Feld Hell FT Hell, FM Hell, some of the others. And um, these are some of these modes are available via, via FL Digi, and uh, in this particular discussion, we're kind of holding to the FL Digi uh, because that's the program we've been pushing. But 
you know, some of the uh, some of the Windows-based programs will allow you to operate these also. One of the places you can look for Hellschreiber, and this is suggested by the materials I'm using, would be uh, down on 20 meters on 14.061. Uh, there's also activity on 40 meters and, seven, uh, and 80 meters, but uh, you'll probably have to go out on the web, like I keep telling y'all, go on out on the web and uh, uh, look those frequencies up. So, what do you got on Hellschreiber, Russ? Not really much to add. It's a very interesting mode, how it actually relays the information that comes out of the digital data stream. And the fact that it's been around so long and that it can be used in so many different ways, from phase-shifted to frequency-modulated to multi-frequency, makes it uh, a very interesting mode of communication. And if you're in for a, a little bit of a, not necessarily a challenge, but just a different way of communicating digitally, uh, Hellschreiber is definitely one way to get a different look at digital communication. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, go out and try some of these things, y'all, because I'll tell you right now, it, it's, Hellschreiber is one of the more interesting modes that I've run across. Now, as for those of y'all out there that feel that we don't have scheduled breaks, yes, we do, and we're coming up on one right now. And uh, instead of uh, starting off and uh, breaking off in the middle of our, our next digital mode, why don't we go ahead and take a few minutes to listen to some more of that lovely, lovely relaxing music. The sun rubs my feet where I spend a lonely day The wind brushes through my hair And the waves parade my hand shields the sun I dream on across the sea The seagull is laughing and dancing in the wind This life is not easy but seems so pleasant still It spreads out its wings and hovers above the sea the boat waiting on the beach knows it's out of place when it smells the ocean and dreams of all the ways the brave in this world they swim out towards the sea. The brave in this world, they swim out towards the sea. Okay, and we're back to make a run at it. We're heading down to the wire. We got four modes left, and we ought to be able to get through it pretty quick. Let's see what we got here, y'all. Olivia. Now, some of y'all may have heard of Olivia by seeing... Uh, cover of QST magazine a few months back. When I saw it on the cover, I'd been thinking about fooling with it for some time and uh, decided to go check it out. Olivia is an MFSK mode, okay? And what that basically means is that it uses uh, multiple tones at different bandwidths 
to achieve faster speeds or greater readability, depending on uh, uh, what the key, what the signal rate is, and that kind of stuff. Okay, basically what what I'm saying is, if you use a narrower bandwidth and fewer tones, the throughput will be slower, but you can read a signal under worse conditions. If you have a good path, you can use a more to- more uh, more tones and a wider bandwidth to produce faster throughput and be able to move the information along quicker. Now, one of the advantages of Olivia is that in the weak signal arena is the fact that I have a pretty good ear for digital signals. I've been listening to digital signals for a long time. I started on packet radio almost as soon as I got my, my technician license. So I can follow a digital signal further down in the noise than I can follow a voice or even a CW signal. And there are actually signals that I was able to pull out full copy out of the noise when I could not even hear them and get complete copy on them. Okay. One of the definitions for it is Olivia MFSK is an amateur radio teletype protocol designed to work in difficult low signal noise ratio plus multipath propagation conditions on shortwave bands. This is a really, really good weak signal mode. Of course, I've heard it running at the faster signal rates also. Doggone, I wish I had speakers on this machine. I could play y'all a, a clip. The fact of the matter is, y'all keep an eye on this one. You know, there's a lot of people out there running uh, JT65 and FSK441 and JT6M and that kind of stuff for weak signal work. But this one right here is a serious challenger, a serious challenger for those guys. Because, uh, like I said, I can't say enough good things about this. So, uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, whatever it was I was just talking about, Russ? (laughs) Well, I think you were talking about Olivia. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen in several places on the web that Olivia is called the magic mode because of that special property where you can actually detect it where the signal is well below the noise floor, which is uh, pretty amazing when you think about it. But one thing, one thing that makes necessary is because you can't actually hear the signal in some cases, there are specific operating frequencies that are usually used for Olivia because you can't use your VFO to tune it in necessarily because it's below the noise floor and you can't actually hear it. So you might want to go on the web and check out, if you haven't used Olivia before, the frequencies that you might want to be listening for Olivia signals on so that you'll actually hear them, because just tuning around the band with your VFO is not going to pick them up necessarily. <laughs> well, that yeah, you definitely uh, need to go out there and find out what the operating frequencies are, and those are easy enough to come by. They're listed on several sites out there on the Internet calling frequencies for Olivia. Uh, definitely, if they're down in the noise, you're never going to hear them. It's not like uh, RIDI or PSK-31. You're not going to be able to dial it in, listen to it and dial it in a lot of times. But you get on those frequencies, and you may never hear a signal, but you will definitely get some copy come up. Okay, we're coming down the stretch. I've answered questions in the chat room, and let's move on to MFSK. MFSK will be listed in uh, in FL Digi as MFSK. And when you go over there, you'll have choices, 8 and 16. One of the most common ones is MFSK 16, which is... Uh, 
basically very similar to Olivia in the way it sounds, very similar to Olivia in the way it operates. Uh, it does not have the deep signal uh, or the deep noise level response that uh, Olivia does, but it is still a, a, a very handy mode, and in the case of bad band conditions, you will still be able to find, you will still find that it has an extreme amount of usability. Now, uh, in the case of MFSK-16, it uses 16 tones spread out over, uh, I think it's 316 hertz, so that, uh, and runs about 65 baud. Now, I'm pulling this out from the archives in back of the hat here, so y'all, uh, y'all bear with me on this. If it's not exactly right, uh, let me know. We'll correct it. But once again, advantages of these F MFSK modes is weak signal work. And in a lot of cases, not only do you have the, uh, the numbers, the letters, the, uh, exclamation points and stuff like that, uh, you're actually able to send backspace characters, which when you type like I do, is really helpful. Backspace characters. Gotta love them. Well, Russ, have you had any experience with uh, MFSK-8 or MFSK-16? No, as a matter of fact, I'm uh, extremely below the curve when it comes to digital mode communication. I've pretty much done everything in voice or CW. I'm going to use our own podcast to get myself interested in digital mode communication. And uh, I guess I should throw in, since you haven't really been talking about what these things are, MFSK just for clarification, stands for Multiple Frequency Shift Keying. And like PSK31, PSK stands for Pulse Shift Keying. Each mode gives you a good idea of how the mode works. It's uh, acronym. Some people might find it useful to know what uh, MFSK means, whether or not they uh, actually care. I don't know. It will, I guess we'll just go on calling it MFSK. So, go ahead. Well, there you go. And, uh, you know... Uh, multi-frequency shift keying, frequency shift keying, FSK, phase shift keying, PSK. Y'all stick with acronyms. It'll keep you keep you brain from overheating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now for two modes that I really haven't used yet, but we're we're going to talk about them here because they're in the list over there at uh, over at uh, FL Digi. We'll run through these real quick. Domino EX is a series of new techniques to counter the general limitations of MFSK. It avoids tuning problems. IF, uh, IFK, incremental frequency king, is used, where the data is represented not by the frequency of each tone, but by the frequency difference between one tone and the next. An additional technique called offset incremental keying is used to counter intersymbol interference caused by multipath reception. This gives the mode a great improvement in robustness. Boy, that was a mouthful. Yeah, that's what you get when Richard reads from a paper instead of speaking from his head. Well, I can't put everything in there. I know there's a lot of a lot of extra space, but uh, most of it's full. If y'all want to look inside my head, go look in the hall closet. That's what it looks like, the hall closet in everybody's house. All right, basically... This is another mode we need to try. I can't speak too long and too authoritatively on it because I really haven't used it yet. I do plan to. It's my understanding that uh, it, it handles TX and receive offsets up to 200 hertz and uh, other things. 
that you would require FEC or, or forward error correction to uh, do the same thing without having to implement, implement those protocols. Uh, as far as speed, I really haven't seen anything on speed differences. I know that you, the only thing I've really heard is that with the uh, lower bandwidth versions of Domino EX, you can get uh, throughput speeds of anywhere between 50 and 100 words per minute. Y'all go out and give Domino EX a try. Like I said, you can probably find frequencies for that out on the web, and that'll get you started at the very least listening. You know, there's a handful of websites out there where you can find uh, MP3s and WMAs of these signals so you can hear them so you know what they sound like. Do you have anything to say about Domino EX, Russ, my brother? <laughs> One thing you should point out, and you actually pointed it out to me before we started talking about it, is that all of these are MFSK modes. Um, Throb, Domino EX, and MFSK, of course, and uh, Olivia. Yeah, all of these uh, all these last four modes we're talking about, y'all, since we came back from the break, are uh, MFSK modes. And it's kind of hard to get too in-depth on these without running too far over time because we're almost almost into the time limit for this segment itself. But we're going to go ahead and run through Throb real quick because we're going to give you a quick overview of that so that uh, we at least have that in there. So Throb is yet another DSP sound card mode, believe it or not, that uses fast Fourier transform technology as used with the waterfall display in your PSK31 program. Okay, Throb is actually based on two on tone pairs with several characters represented by single tones. It is defined by a... I ain't going to read that crap. <laughs> what it boils down to, y'all, is it's another variation on uh, multiple frequency shift keying, MFSK. Uh, it's my understanding that this one is another outstanding weak signal mode because it also incorporates the use of DSP protocols which are available through your sound card. I haven't, once again, I haven't used it yet, but it's one of the things I do plan on getting on and checking out for y'all. We are going to be more informative. We're going to have the information on this stuff. We're going to make everybody happy. Now, if you guys out there have had an opportunity to use any of these uh, last four protocols, that we've talked about and now I've used MFSK 16 and I've I've been working with Olivia but Throb and Domino EX if y'all have had experiences with those we would love to hear them please send those to us either as an audio file or as an email just let us know Russ what do you think about Throb well uh, one thing I've read about Throb is that the reason it's called Throb is that it has a certain tonality to the waveform that creates the digital signal that sounds like throbbing. And that's why it's, in fact, called throb. It's something that's very distinctive and that would actually be very interesting to hear. What might be interesting is if somebody has actually used these modes, any of these MFSK modes, and is very experienced with using them, we might uh, entertain doing an interview with said person, kind of getting some really in-depth knowledge from someone who really knows these modes and it might be nice to actually throw a different voice into the podcast. What do you think? Well, the fact of the matter is, yeah. yeah. Come think of it, as we move on through these amateur radio segments and even uh, some of the Linux segments, uh, we would be interested in having some folks on to talk about that. 
I have tried in the past to uh, get folks to send live comments and stuff to the other show. It has definitely not worked out. But this show seems to have a little different flavor to it, and the listeners and the folks in the live audience seem to be a whole different breed of folks. Y'all get with us. If you got a microphone, we can plug you in. Uh, we're in fact we're getting to the point that we're probably going may be able to get rid of Skype and do something different altogether. But we'll see what happens. So if y'all have have any anything y'all can come on the show and talk about, let us know because we'd be happy to have you. Alrighty, and having said as much as we can possibly say about digital modes and inviting folks on the show and uh, sending emails and donations and confetti and naked monkeys and everything else, I guess it's probably time for us to say goodbye, Russ. What do you think? Yeah, I think we've come to the point where we probably shut this, uh, probably should shut this thing down. I think our first segment went so long that I may be uh, spending a lot of time throwing stuff onto the editing room floor here. But and that's a, and y'all watch for the lost CD, the the lost episode segments of Linux in the Ham Shack. <laughs> yeah, the bloopers and outtakes will be out probably uh, fourth quarter this year. <laughs> they they get the bloopers every time we record. Yeah. <laughs> all right, having said all that, if y'all want to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter. That's kb. That's twitter.com stroke kb5jbv, or you can send me an email at kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com. Or don't forget to visit forums over at Black Sparrow Media. We have forums for Linux and Ham Shack. We have forums for resonant frequency we even have forums for naked monkeys if that's your if that's your particular uh, inclination now i want y'all to get a hold of russ and remember all hate mail goes to russ's mailbox russ tell them how to get a hold of you you can get a hold of me at k5tux at blacksparrowmedia.com or you can follow me on twitter at twitter.com stroke jr woodman and you can also follow the program on Twitter at twitter.com stroke hamshacklinux. And I see that more people are signing up over there and getting show updates, so that is great. Uh, more people don't need to do that. And we welcome your feedback in any form. You can post to the forums. You can email us. You can email us individually, email us together, uh, post comments to the website at blacksparrowmedia.com slash LHS. And if you have anything you want to contribute in the way of doing a live interview or perhaps a prepared segment that we can air, or if you want to send us an audio feedback segment, we'll, depending on what the content is, we might get that on for you. Uh, we like to spread the word about ourselves, and we like to uh, let people know out there about uh, things that are related to us as well. So if you have something of like content let us know what it is and we will promote you feel free to get the word out about us post on your blogs link to our website do whatever you can and if you've got a buck or two lying around feel free to click on the donation link on our website blacksparrowmedia.com lhs and send it our way and everything we get will go directly into updating the program post us on your blog Post us in the forum. Send us an email. Do everything. In fact, send us your firstborn children. Do whatever it takes. Spread the word. Spread the gospel. Let folks know that we record live. I want to fill the chat room up. Oh, my God, I'm overwhelmed. Alrighty, With that, I'm Richard down here in Balt Springs, Texas. And I'm Russ in Flippin', Arkansas. 
and we hope all your children are born naked. We'll see you next time.